Welcome to the Memoirs of Abiding Podcast. I'm Chris Bryant. We wanted to start something a little different, counter to what many of you have been taught or learned through experience. Our topics will be practical and theological, focusing on what the early church saw. What we are going to talk about isn't some new idea, but rather an old idea gaining traction again. Our tell is sharing our experiences and looking at the Bible in this material. Our ask is that you will take it into your own devotion time and ask how the Lord can best apply it. We will continue to talk about this material each week, and we have blogs addressing practical applications at www.memoirsofabiding.com. We hope you experience God through talking about His Word with us. Well, welcome back, everyone. Today, I have my special guest co-star, Allison, on. Allison, welcome. Well, thank you, Chris. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and and happy New Year to you. That's a, I think that's an upgrade co-star. Yeah, well, you know, it it depends on the day. (laughs) But happy New Year's to you and happy New Year's to all of our our listeners. Excited for the new year. I'm right there with you. It was fun. Started off lots of fireworks. Ah, Mm. all right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to start off the month and the new year talking about kids. I felt led to talk about abiding in kids, because if we can't teach this to our kids, then it's really limiting the effectiveness of it. So we'll talk about abiding in kids. And this week, I want to talk about abiding through their hurts. What we mean by that is when kids go through a trauma or difficulty, and inevitably they're hurt by it emotionally, physically, whatever it is, how to abide through their hurt and um, not always trying to take control of it, but allowing God to be ever present in the situation. I guess that makes sense, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I am fortunate to have the opportunity to work with kids in many facets throughout my life. So I can see I've had plenty of experience trying to do it on my own and trying to step in and fix problems on my own and fix hurts on my own. And it, it doesn't quite work well <laughs> on that realm. Yeah. With the age of the kid too, it, it varies, you know, their ability to understand what we're saying. A four-year-old mm-hmm. won't be able to understand as much as a 10-year-old or 11-year-old. And then likewise, as we've just started our first abiding discipleship with teenagers, they're not going to be able to understand to the same aspect that an adult would this type of material. Correct. Because as they walk through the experiences and gain the knowledge, engage, their brain develops and everything. It's just adapting to what they know at that point in time. Yeah. So going back, children respond differently, just like adults respond differently through storms. They can't communicate and It's difficult a lot of times for them to articulate what they're feeling. I know I've got kids and they, they will be crying and hurting, but they can't say, are they sad? Are they angry? Are they afraid? What it is, they just know that they feel something. And so a lot of times as parents, we can listen. And if we don't get the right answer that we want to try to fix, it can cause frustration Uh, anger. It can cause a deeper level of sadness because we can't quote unquote fix our kids, right? So the the frustration in this may come from not knowing how to help or not even being able to see the root of the problem. And it may, I know in my own experiences, it has come out as I am less than what I thought. I, I can't even help my own kid because I, I'm just deficient. I just, I'm not enough. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, that aspect I think can play out in adults as they parent their kids through some pretty significant traumas or even minor traumas. Yeah. And then it's, I think one of the biggest blessings I had early on was reading parenting 101 uh, by Paul Tripp, just because it put it into perspective, just that, each of our kids, they're humans and they have their flesh. And so they are they're going to be exposed and experience the feelings and the emotions and are going to react how the flesh is going to want to react a lot of times. But 
it helped me separate out their actions from my parenting skills and trying to be a perfect parent and letting that become an identity source because our world pushes really hard of and using kids as an identity source for parents, how they behave, how they behave in public, how they treat other people. So if you can get praise from peers, if their performance is well on academics or in sports or things like that, to where you can get praise from other people, we really celebrate that, I feel like, as a world, rather than looking at the heart and truly how is the heart doing of that individual. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Mm -hmm. I know I had that. I think I've mentioned this before a few times, but I had the three pillars of Chris's life, the marriage union, not even my Mm -hmm. wife, but it was the marriage union, just being married, being a husband, being a father and in Jesus. And I had made them almost equal to each other, like the three legs of the the stool, I think I've mentioned. And when I was around other people, I wanted to be the perfect dad. And so I would do all these things with my kids and I would, I would push them to succeed. My oldest daughter, I was forcing her to climb and be adventurous. I was teaching her language skills. I was teaching her how to walk. And she, she hit all these milestones early, whether it was due to me or due to her, her own development, you know, no one could ever say, but it made me feel like I wasn't a failure, you know, like I was succeeding, but Mm -hmm. for sure. And that, in that period of time, my identity was wrapped up in being that father. Yeah. Really good insight. Yeah. And I was the opposite. My kid was a little bit behind (laughs) with, he just was, he's very observant. And so there were in the early stages, like he's a little bit later to walk a little bit later to talk, but I do know in my own experience. So we got divorced pretty early on. We separated about a month into his life on earth. And so I know an identity source for me was to try to control his hurt because I didn't want him to have to suffer through the situation of being in divorce and going between two households. That's a trauma of its own. A lot of kids deal with that trauma, you know, and that's, I think why there's a lot of difficulty with single parent households with their children is they, they're losing a sense of identity. You know, they're, they're comprised of their identity as themselves and the two parents that made them. And when they don't have equal access or when they, when they have hurts from one household and not the other, it can really cause these stuck points, these uh, defense mechanisms that we've kind of alluded to a few times. And as those progress, these defense mechanisms are there to, for the brain to protect itself from, from harm, from hurts, from, you know, any more shock that could be brought on. Well, over time, those turn into what psychologists, what counselors call the poor coping skills, those form. And then as adults, it becomes a habit and getting an understanding of, of these implications when kids go through traumas and they're unable to find healing. What are some of the like stuck points that you've seen or heard? Cause you said you've worked with kids that may be implications of some of these traumas not being worked out. Um, I think some of the big ones, there's a very large tendency for fear of failure and it will drive these kids into severe anxiety, but even to a point where they may not even turn in a project because it wasn't perfect. And when, when I talk to them about it, it's, it didn't formulate the way their mind expected. And so they'd rather not turn it in at all than be docked even just a little bit and learn from it. Um, there's a big, I think perfectionism, which I guess stems with fear of failure. Anxiety comes up, people pleasing. So searching for their identity outside of them. Because if you really think about it, and I get to work with high school kids a lot. Kids come out of the womb. They're with their parents. Their parents guide them a lot of the time. They've got a lot of influence outside of that. 
But when they start to go into high school, they're starting to separate out from their parents and make more decisions and choices on their own. However, what I tend to see is they shift from parents to people. So friends around them and letting that still kind of be the driving force behind that. And so some stuck points just tend to be on what the world is saying at that point in time. And the world, as we've experienced, especially the past couple of years, is constantly changing. Our only everlasting rock is God. Only thing that stays the same is him. Yet we are constantly running to all these TikTok, Snapchat, like all these social media outlets, social time with friends, a lot of things of the world, media, iPad time, all of that. Escapes. Yeah, escapes. Tons of escapes to just try to calm that feeling that they may have. They don't know why it's there, but they just want to be okay. And so they're, and they're trying desperately to control it. Yeah. And if they, if they can't get help with that, that can lead to lifelong hurts. Mm-hmm. It can lead to isolation. You know, maybe mm-hmm. they're the child that doesn't want to be around other people, mm-hmm. even self-harm. I'm sure being in the high school teaching area, you know, that, that range of children, you probably mm-hmm. have seen numerous times of, of boys and girls harming themselves just so they can feel or whatever the reason is or mm-hmm. acting out maybe they're they want to get attention and so they they'll do reckless things even as a kid you know obviously we can we can see how that plays out in a high school but even as children you know doing things that jumping off of a roof or other things mm-hmm. that just make them feel a lot of that leads to this arrested development right this lack of mental maturity, not in the maturity that we typically associate with the word maturity, but in the brain's inability to make that next milestone of concrete rational thinking or whatever it is that they're stuck. They're they're in this level of maturity that's one or two notches below where they should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think another one that you'll, I think, I think I see more in the youth is probably anger. So an outlash for like no reason. Sure. And they, they don't know what that is. They don't know why they're feeling that way. It's just something that pins up, it builds up, and it's just a protection mechanism for them. And I think that's probably one of the more common ones that I'll I'll see. Yeah, nothing's gonna hurt me because I'm gonna hurt anything that comes near me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some of the things that can cause these permissiveness. I think a lot of people may misunderstand that, but permissiveness is just allowing anything in the child's life. It's yes, 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 yes. Allowing no boundaries in the child's life. And it can lead to a lot of what we've been talking about an inability of them to control themselves, to control, to self-soothe. They just, they get what they want when they want. And it doesn't allow for delayed gratification and, and other psychological terms. Um, mm-hmm. Neglect is also another one. If a child is is not necessarily getting told yes, 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 but is just ignored, sent to their room or, or told to just go away, go play outside, and, and no one builds into their life, that can cause this. Or authoritarianism, mm-hmm. the opposite end of the spectrum from permissiveness, where that, what's, it's not even the opposite, but it's it's a it's a very strict parent. And that doesn't mean all the time that could mean they could be permissive. And then all of a sudden they nail them with authoritarianism, right? Where it's just, no, you will do this and this and this and this, and there's no grace. There's no compassion uh, or rejection, rejection in the child's life, or even in the more egregious sense, physical, mental, emotional, or sexual trauma in that child's life, whether it's from a parent from a family member, from an an educator, from a counselor, whoever it's from, any of these things that's in the child's life can cause what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I think that our kids are more, our world has become so vast because of the, and I'm going to go back to that, to to the technology. I have a lot of discussions because they are on all these media devices 
And so it's endless connection and connection with people you don't even know. So people reach out left and right and left and right. So it really is opening up to a whole new world of possible exposure to these items or these mechanisms. Sure. Yeah. And it's a very dangerous new age for parents. Yeah. (laughs) Now let's go back to stuff points. So we've talked about a few of them, but just listing out some more that maybe parents can start to see these behaviors in their kids' lives, mm-hmm. and it may help them to connect. Maybe there's something more to my child's behavior than the, than just obstinance or than just being a, a very disruptive child. You know, maybe there's there's some sort of a trauma. Maybe there's not, but maybe there is in that child's life, or maybe it's a perceived trauma. Maybe there was not something that actually happened, but the child misinterpreted it based on their own understanding. And Mm -hmm. since there was no reconciliation of the the event, the child could now internalize that. And so some of the ones that um, you've seen and you've talked about, Allison, what are some of the ones that you might point out as poor coping skills or stuck points? Well, it's even about like perceived conversations. I've had a conversation with an athlete who was going to practice every day, doing everything that they can in a different sport and we're getting down to the wire last few games that they have and they get replaced. So younger kids get called up and they get replaced and they just kept going to their coach. Like, how do I get better? How do I get better? And doing everything they can. And at this point in time, when these kids get called up, he goes to the coach and says, how do I get better? And they said, it's, I mean, it's kind of late at this point. Now that's the original conversation and interpretation of it. And when we had a discussion, it was go talk to the coach, get more information. Um, and eventually they did that. And it actually brought healing because that was just misinterpreted by the kid. So I think oftentimes with the kids, they can interpret information differently but it does cause a lot of pain and heartache. And then usually what happens at that level is then they lose motivation. So it may be that they just don't want to go to practice anymore, or they don't want to participate in whatever they're doing. So you start to see some of that isolation occur in order to protect themselves. But then on the opposite side of that, I, I can see where high achieving can also be kind of a red flag too, that they're, they are really good in school. It seems like they've got everything together. They're doing really well, but I would almost say sometimes that's a red flag for control. They are trying desperately to control every aspect of their life. And for a kid to carry that, that is a heavy burden to carry. And so sometimes I will see that and then we'll be able to talk about it and then they'll be able to melt and relax and say, yeah, I'm struggling. This is hard. Yeah. And I think that's, those ones are definitely prevalent in the older kids that are able Mm -hmm. to think through, but some of the ones that, and you even see it in adults, but it had continued on from childhood is, is continuous lying is Mm -hmm. impulse control problems extremely clingy behavior. They may even play shame and blame games mm-hmm. or self-doubt. They just, and, and that's kind of what you were describing there is, is the coach pulled them and maybe they just, they don't think that they can do it anymore. They're just, they're not good enough. They're never going to be good enough. Right. Or maybe they, they start self-loathing. Maybe you start hearing self-deprecation, you know, deprecation being tearing themselves down. Oh, I'm not pretty enough. I'm, I'm ugly. I'm not mm-hmm. strong enough. I'm weak. I'm stupid. Any of those kind of phrases that come out that you can pick up on a kid. Those are some stuck points and poor coping skills. Anger to rage continuum. You know, maybe they just, like you talked about, they, they get angry and then they just go to rage and they rage and rage and rage to try to protect themselves. Demanding behavior, greed, fear, resentment 
conversational problems, that would be like with the coach. I, I just don't know how to talk. So there's a lot of things that we know we can see from those and they start pointing to something's wrong. They're, they're flags, red flags in our, yeah. our child's life. And so we can see those, we can identify those. Now that we've also seen what potential sources could be causing these, let's talk about abiding and let's talk about how to put the abiding skills to work in our own lives and to help our kids through those times. Mm-hmm. Well, I can say before starting the abiding journey and really learning what that is. So my kid's young and tantrums are, that's normal for kids. Um, But I could say there was very much a a desperate grasp to fix everything for him, for him to feel happy all the time. And we hear that message a lot in this world, um, whatever makes you happy and trying to, to please your kids really. So if I need to hold him, and not let them just cry it out or things like that. And I would, I would try to fix it for him instead of teach him how to handle the pain whenever it occurs. So like now with the abiding stuff comes up and I'm hurting, I'm going to go talk to God and I'm going to be raw and I'm going to be honest about how I feel about everything. And then God inevitably in his faithfulness will respond with, his word or encouragement through others, but most of the time it's through his word. And usually I have friends that reach out with that. And so starting with the abiding journey, I just began to pray that God step in. And I know he's Austin's father. And I just asked that he would help parent, give me the wisdom for that. So something that like I would see um, is maybe in transitions we get back and maybe if he hadn't started to get angry, just out of nowhere, out of the blue. I remember the first time that that happened after our long, first long transition. I pulled out like for love and logic and was trying to find all the answers and go to the world and how do I parent through this and really trying to pull out all the parenting expectations and norms of this, this world, trying to fix it for him. And then I remember us having a conversation about being seen, known, and heard. And I saw Austin again, he, he was refusing to get dressed to go for daycare. No, I'm not going to go and kept going to a room and then close the door then would come out and go to another room and then close the door. And that conversation kind of popped in my head. So I knelt down and I said, do you need a hug? And he immediately came in for a hug and then was, and I said, I see that you're hurting. I know that you're hurting. I love you. God loves you. Let's pray. And so we told God how we felt. And then the kid gets up and he's like, okay, time to go to daycare. And I was like, what is this? (laughs) So it just kind of hit me that if I'm going to God with all that I'm feeling, I need to teach my son. That's what we do too. If we're scared, if we're happy, if we're sad, we go tell God and let him heal it. Cause he's our healer and our redeemer in that. Now there are times where we, he's good with that. And there's times where he'll tell me, no, no, no. But I know that's the flesh. So we, we just keep kind of praying through it and kind of, that's yeah, and really it, powerful right there. But I, I just want to input in case they were lost. When you say transition, you mean shifting from house to house, right? With his dad and to your yeah. house. Okay. Yeah, because we're in a situation. I am divorced. And so, of course, he's going to miss dad when he's with me. When I, he's over there, he's going to miss me. And so it's just kind of that transition period of coming back to a different parent and kind of shifting gears. And it's just being patient through that. And I know after one particular transition, there was kind of that demanding, like you mentioned, the demanding behavior. And I, 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 you know, you got to repeat with kids. So I continually said, you can ask, let's do it this way. Mommy, can you please mommy, can you please? And it just wasn't going well. 
And I remember that being a breaking point for me going, God, I don't know how to do this. I am by nature on my trained flesh is to people, please. So I want to pour out the positive side of love, but the whole discipline side of love, I have no idea. But I also know this is not okay. It's not the fruits of the spirit. And I remember praying and just asking for help. And I kid you not, I get up for our nap and I get a ding on my phone for the daily verse. And it said, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. And he just said, tell him that every time that he starts being, if he says anything demanding or it's not nice, tell him that. And so now if something comes up, I'll just be like, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. And let it soak in. Um, yeah. And so that's where, when you see these things, I, I think the big thing that I'm learning is just to let God step in and parent because he will. And the more I let him do that, I would almost say the easier parenting becomes. It's still, I think, draining as a parent because you don't want to see your kids go through this. Of course. But my actions and words are not out of my own merit it is by direction for god by god and so i can do it out of love rather than maybe getting angry or frustrated because i can't fix it yeah for him so that's an excellent example of dependence you know we've talked about the three main skill sets for abiding is reading God's word for transformation. We've talked Mm -hmm. about dependence on God through surrender and submission, and then also listening to to the leadings of the Holy Spirit through God's word. And man, if that's not an example of, Lord, I can't parent my son through this. I need you to do it. And then he just steps in and he's faithful as ever, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I just would vote encouragement to continue to pray and ask for that. Cause there's been times where I get something immediately. And there's times where I am deep in prayer and surrender on my knees, just crying out to him. And it may be days. It may be weeks of that. There was another incident where I was just praying wholeheartedly. And I remember being at church and he said, the next thing is identity talk to Austin about who he is. And I'm like, how do I teach a four-year-old who he is? Like (laughs) lingo, all of that stuff. How do I do this? And so he kind of brought to an idea of writing, like, who are you up on a wall saying, I am a son of God, but then listing out all the attributes of who God is, all the characteristics of God so that he knows that's who my dad is. And that's who I am. And I remember kind of getting that because obviously that's not from scripture. So I was like, okay, God, is this really like, is this what you want me to do? And we went for bath time and it had been a while since I pulled out a devotional book from it's like a veggie tales devotional book, but I found it and I kind of felt a nudge. I need to open it up. So I went to whatever the day number, current day number was of the year, open it up. I kid you not. The title of it was, who are you? And it went into identifying as God's son and elaborating on that. And I had to kind of chuckle because how good our father is and how faithful he is to reassure me. So he gave it to me and I was like, are you sure? Is this it? And then he gave that reassurance at night did you read it in larry the cucumber voice oh man if i had a solid larry the cucumber voice i would i that might be the fourth pillar of of abiding this vegetable voices that's good though i i mean that's that's a powerful example of allowing god to lead you in the direction Mm -hmm. did he lead you to the vegetables book maybe Maybe not, but he certainly used it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important to, to point out the contrast okay. 
in each of those examples with your son mm-hmm. and his his heartbreak his his hurt you had a few choices a few paths you could have gone down you could have gone down the one where you allow the lord to lead it sounds like for the most part that's what you did you also have the one that it's kind of the old school parenting for behavior modification i think a lot of parents probably learned that as kids if they're anywhere between you know 28 and 40 those mm-hmm. generations i think learned that was normal parenting and anytime your child misbehaves it's it's easier to fall into here's the list of all the rules you just broke now stop no more just do it this way this is what i'm telling you to do it that's the behavior modification so sometimes it's easier to go through that and and some children you can even just remind them that they may be breaking one of the the household rules and that that can have a place Mm -hmm. then you have the the parenting for the heart and that one is looking at your kid and realizing that there's something deeper but we can we gotta be careful because you know we've talked about sin what is sin and mm-hmm. we could easily take that to the spectrum, like you were saying, of, well, I can fix it by showing all of this love to my child. And in mm-hmm. that way, now Allison is fixing it. Now Chris is fixing it. And I will love my child back to health. I'll love my child back to normalcy. Yeah. And that's also a, an option that can be used. But the most effective for a child's heart which points to, hey, son, hey, daughter, this is how you abide later in life, is through making that experience all about God's healing in their life. No, I I completely agree with you because ultimately we want them to learn the life skill set of depending. And that's, I mean, you talk about in Romans, it's, I think it's like, what is it? Romans 15 or 16, it may talk about not what is it so in romans like 15 it's talk in 16 it's talking about not tripping up your your brothers and sisters in christ and in reality if we're stepping in and trying to fix it they're learning to be dependent upon us and not god romans 14 yeah that's a good point and there's also another route that i didn't discuss which is don't do anything just allow the kid to have their tantrum. And that's also another option. Mm-hmm. But some of these, in different circumstances, some of these teach the child to introduce their own ways of protecting themselves from pain. They may be screaming, tantrum, throwing, violence, any of these difficult behaviors. But our purpose on this earth is to guide our children through God's word and ultimately introducing them to Jesus through our shepherding. So we, we stand the gap. We're the example to them of who Jesus is. And then when they're old enough to fully comprehend, then we hand them off to Jesus and say, yeah, remember what I was to you. This is so much more, right? So Mm -hmm. as, as Christian parents, when we have to go through a lot of these difficult circumstances with our kids whatever that circumstance comes from whether it's a a broken home whether it's it's fighting between parents whether it's something that's happened at school doesn't matter where it comes from the the point is these defense mechanisms come up and it's it's our mission from god given these children to shepherd them through there and to understand that when our kids are acting like this it's a flesh response, no more, no less than when we have a flesh response to someone cutting us off on the road or, you know, someone insulting our name, someone dragging us around, um, dogging us, or maybe someone questioning our ability. A lot of those bring about this flesh response. And we can logically think through that, but children can't. So it's our job to help bring them back from that flesh response and to show them, no, no, the normal thing is to pray 
right? You, you said mm -hmm. it. You, his words are, are sweeter than, than honey. Well, let's go to it then. Let's, let's read God's word, right? Our, our phrase is James 4, 7, where we talk about submit to God, resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. And so we've, we've incorporated that into our prayers when we're having some of these giant meltdowns and to just keep reciting that and to allow the Lord's peace to come on us through the trust in him. And it's, it's important to, to note, you know, even going back to Romans, Romans 8, 5, Paul says, for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. So we can teach our kids the difference between flesh and spirit, but also we can model that. So when our kids, they're, they're walking in their flesh, we don't walk in our flesh, that we can walk in the spirit, that we can show love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Even when sometimes you just want to pat that little bottom, sometimes you just want to send them to the room isolate them because you're just frustrated. Maybe the frustration is there, but surrendering in that moment, and we'll talk about that in a bit, but surrendering those things can teach our kids to surrender those things. Very well said, Chris. I completely agree with you on that. And as a parent, I think one of the hardest things is that you don't want to see your kids walk through these hurts. You don't want to see them walk through these hardships but like we're sitting in Psalm 91 right now, I'm reading it. And it says you will walk upon the lions and the cobras. But right after that, it promises that we will crush fierce lions and cobras under our feet. And throughout that, it just continues to promise how God is there with us and will rescue us and will lift us up and will protect us and protect our kids. So I think one of the big hurdles for me is to understand that I even if periods of grieving, because I don't like seeing it, my kid's going to walk and he's going to come upon some lions and he's going to come upon some cobras. But man, do we have a mighty God that's already overcome it. And so I think that was one of the big hurdles for me to understand and let go. And I'll be honest, it's kind of, it's a constant surrender back to him because I really don't want to see my kid do that, go through this. Yeah. I have to continually surrender over my need for control and my need for protecting him back to God, because God's the one that can truly protect him. Amen. He's the one that can be with him everywhere. I can't be with my son 24 seven. I can't protect him from everything, but God can. And so surrendering that back over to him and really staying rooted in his promises and who he is, is very helpful because then when the hurts come up, I am reminded that he's overcome them. And then I can ask for his help and I can ask for him to, cause it's really truly only him that can restore and regenerate all the hurt and the pain. I can't. So that's often a prayer that I have is restore regenerate heal him now and come into that so yeah that's I couldn't have said it better I think as we shift into well how do I how do I surrender I mean you you've said it a few times Allison and a couple of examples that you gave in the middle of it you were able to surrender it and I think a lot of people say well one, that, that can't be the norm. That's, that's going to be good. But two, how do I do that when my child is screaming at me at the top of their lungs in the middle of a supermarket? Or how do I do that when my child is throwing things in the toy store? Those are difficult times. I mean, for, for any parent, even Mary Poppins might have a little bit <laughs> of difficulty there, you know, but. Right. But She's I think one spoonful it's you got to get to the kid before you give that spoonful of sugar sure yeah but that i think for the parent when that blood pressure goes up when that frustration mounts remembering back what you were saying earlier the expectation i have for that kid is my expectation that this kid of mine will obey every rule of mine 
that they'll be the perfect child, that they will do everything I ask, or that they get the best grades in school, that they get the top student, that they walk around and every parent around makes just envious looks towards me and towards my kids. Are those my expectations? Maybe my expectation is my, my son is going to be captain of the football team. So every interaction that I have, that implicit bias is in it all. So I say, well, he's not acting this way. In my mind, it goes, well, how is he ever going to be captain of the, ba- the football team or the basketball team? Well, I got I to change this to meet my expectation. And it can be as something as simple as what I just described, which I think all of us can, can picture. But the question then I would challenge parents is, what's your expectation for your child? Maybe even talk about it with the other parent if you can. If you can't, just journal it in yourself and, and talk to the Lord about it. But is your expectation of your child some set of circumstances or goals that you have for them? Or are they kingdom minded? If they're kingdom minded, then every choice you make, when you discipline them, when you train them, when you teach them, when you joke with them, will have kingdom implications. It's the same that Jesus did. He walked by a tree and said, look at that tree. It's not producing fruit. Curse that tree. Why did he do that? Well, he was using it as as an example. Right. And then later on, they came back. Oh, my goodness. Or he would use dough and talk about yeast in the dough or he would use all these different examples. He was kingdom minded to the absolute extreme. Are we kingdom minded as parents? That's that's the one first question you should ask before you ever even get to the situation. You know, like we talked about in October with Mm -hmm. the preparing for the storm. Right. Or well, rather, I I guess it was the, the week before October. But talking about preparing for the storm and, and Allison, you shared your, your storm, but there was preparation before the storm. The same thing with these tantrums, there's preparation for the tantrum. That preparation is rooted in the kingdom of God. It's not rooted in a book that's written by Paul, David Tripp, though. I like David Tripp. It's not rooted in, in a chip dot. It's not rooted in um, any of these amazing authors that have this great advice. It's not. It's rooted in God's word and God's word alone. So that's what I would say to the parent is, what is your expectation of your child? And does it align with Deuteronomy 6? Does it align with Deuteronomy 11? Does it align with what God's expectation is for you? Then when you take that next step, walking with your kid in those, Allowing that expectation to be washed away with the word of God's expectation for your son or your daughter. Then we can say, does he expect us to do everything he says? Well, I think he wants us to, but does God expect that out of us? Mm -hmm. I think he knows that we're going to fall short. That's why he sent his son. Well, does he, does he want us to? Yeah. Does he cut us down when we miss the mark? No. Right. Romans eight talks about Mm -hmm. that. Therefore, that now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So he doesn't. How does he respond with compassion and gentleness? Sometimes a stern hand. We saw that with Israel. Yep. We also saw that with Ananias and Sapphira. Right. Mm -hmm. A specific discipline. But understanding from Scripture that everything we see. From God towards us is different than being overly authoritarian. He always allows us to make the call and he parents us through that. You know, he is Abba, right? He's the father. So he always calls us back to normalcy, which is holy and righteous living. And that's what we're called to do with our kids, to bring them back to that normalcy, to teach them. No, 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 you don't need to respond. Do you need a hug? You feel it? Okay. Mm -hmm. And then we can come and we can just wrap our arms around them, which is all we ever want God to do when we're in our tough spots. We just want him to wrap us up, right? Yes. Oh, a hundred percent. And sometimes like, look at us, we will, we'll go to him and maybe we're yelling at him and screaming and throwing the tantrum and he listens and then he wraps his arms around us. Right. And loves us. Yeah. One thing that helped me 
over the past two years is whenever I feel like screaming or yelling, I stop. One, I realize, oh, flesh is trying to get out here. And then I ask this question, why? Why am I responding like this? I may have to step away for a second. Hold on, son. Just, just wait right there. And I step away and I go, whoa, what am I doing? Why am I responding like this? What is my flesh needing in this moment that it's desiring more than my relationship with my child, more than my relationship and contentment in the Lord, more than my joy in the Lord? Then I can start going back to the base, the base desire. Well, maybe I'm not feeling respected by my child. Maybe I'm not feeling loved by my child. Maybe I'm not feeling heard myself. My son's not feeling heard or my daughter's not feeling heard. And they're responding with their flesh and I'm not feeling heard. So I'm responding with, oh my goodness. So then I can step back and say, Lord, but you hear me. You're not too deaf to hear and your arm isn't too short to help. I know you said that. Amen. So hear me now. And then I can just do a quick three second prayer. Right. And then I can look at my kid and I could say, you know what? They're doing the same thing I'm doing. Let me mm-hmm. help them in that. And it's just like what you said. You bring your son and, and bring scripture into his life or we pray. We pray with our kids and show them how to respond in those situations in the spirit. They may not have the spirit yet, but we show them normalcy in holy and righteous living, which is exactly what Deuteronomy 6 tells us. Mm-hmm to talk about the word of God when we sit down, when we stand up, when we're on the road, when we're at home. Heck, David talked about doing it at midnight. Get up at midnight, you know? Mm -hmm. But the point is, all the time, every moment of every day, when we have a situation that we can point out God's word to our kids, that's it. That's what he's called us to. And it's such a joyous, because once you start doing that and everything that you do and pointing out the the seeing God, whether it be you're on a drive and you see the tree and he'll be like, wow, I'm just looking at those trees. And I was like, look at what God made. Isn't that magnificent? Like every single one of those trees and the leaves, look how detailed that is. And what's awesome about that is then you're doing that. It's going to shift your perspective all the time to kingdom mindset as well. And so we're living in dependence with God because our mind is focused on him. And we're all walking together with them in that. And I love, I love that whole kingdom mindset. And, and it is being rooted in his word and reading in it. I have found like Christmas or the Christmas break, we were playing all the time. And there was a day I did not get reading in. And that is the word of life. So that is bread to me. That is what sustains me. And by the end of the day, something that was not characteristic for me when I stay in the uh, spirit is I started to get frustrated with bedtime. I'm tired. I'm ready to be done. I need you to go to sleep. And I did the exact same thing as you. I took a deep breath and go, went, why am I doing this? And then kind of worked the way back, talked to him about that. And then was like, I need to stay rooted in your kingdom. I need my perspective rooted in you so that when the flesh comes up and the world comes up, I can answer knowing what you have told me to do. Answer with what your promises give me, who you are. Yeah. And for the, the listener who's, just starting their abiding journey, understanding that those situations, those situations that come up where you are dealing with an indignant child, you may not win all of them. The flesh may come out and you may have a flesh response, but there's no condemnation. All we have to do is go to the father and say, I missed it that time, Lord. But you know what? Your spirit can make me hit the mark. So I ask you to do that. So as we kind of close this out, I want to encourage the single parent out there. I want to encourage the parent who's struggling with the other parent in a relationship. 
I want to encourage the, the parents that are doing well. Mm-hmm. I want to encourage those who aren't parents to get to the level of abiding that when they, when they have children or when they adopt children, or, or maybe when they're just watching over as a guardian for a child, that they can, they can start putting these things to practice. Or in a children's ministry, when they're helping other people, volunteering, and they have a child that's struggling. It, it's a great opportunity for us to, to model Christ in that. But understanding for all of those situations, the most important understanding is you can't change your child's heart. That is done by the Holy Spirit. That is done by the counselor, the healer is the only one that can do that. Our job is to point them to the truth of that. When you can when you can look at that and you can start sitting in that in the understanding that you can live with the dependence on the Lord, surrendering and submitting even those difficult trials, they come more frequent. Yes. And it becomes your way of life. And then through the grace of God, it becomes the way of life for your kids. And I think that's more so what scripture was talking about. When you train up a child in God's ways, they'll not mm-hmm. depart. It's not being an authoritarian and forcing the Bible down their throat. It mm-hmm. is living the Bible just as Jesus lived it, just as the apostles lived it to the disciples that they had, just as those who were leaders in the church from 100 AD all the way up to 2022 AD mm-hmm. all of them have done it since that's what we have to do and you can do it I mean Allison a year ago were you, were you doing this oh absolutely not no yeah and I certainly wasn't two years ago you know it's but it comes and it it comes pretty quick once we we get rooted in God's word so encouragement to you it can happen for you and don't, don't allow the, the shame to settle in on you. Allow, if, if you feel ashamed of, of an action, take it to God and say, Lord, you can make me better on this next one. Let me find that expectation for my, my kid, my child, and you. And it also gives you an opportunity then to go to your kid and demonstrate grace and forgiveness as well. Because you can go to them and ask for that forgiveness and and step into that and recognize that and even t- uh, be a testimony of how you handled that. I did, I took that to God. I handed it back to him. Amen. Living the word of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we want to end with an important scripture that reminds us to abide in him. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. As you walk through this week, we encourage you to review the scriptures and themes we talk about and ask the Holy Spirit to team up with you to bring this information to life personally in your walk. Thank you for listening and God bless.